we definitely have seen lots of dramatic shifts in the market. I think the element of this shift that we've seen that's very different is the speed to which it impacted everyone. There are a number of companies that have been able to maintain, or in some cases actually extend their growth. Welcome to Connecting the Dots, an original podcast from Jefferies. I'm Shannon Murphy, and in this series, we talk to Jeffrey's top investment experts and business leaders about some of the biggest trends in the world's capital markets. They help us connect the dots to better understand the deals and transactions that are shaping the global economy. To complete the series, we connected with our colleague, Cully Davis. Cully's the vice chairman of equity capital markets at Jeffrey's and also serves as the head of West Coast Tech Banking, where he helps companies raise capital and navigate new opportunities or challenging landscapes. This year has been a roller coaster for all of us, but nowhere more so than in the fast-moving world of technology, as many of us have had to create one-woman offices from our homes. From his seat, Cully has seen the winners of 2020 up close. We wanted to check in with him about what these business leaders are focused on for the year ahead and what that means for the economy as a whole. I started off by asking Cully to recap his year for us. Could you tell us a little bit what has been your focus this year and is it any different than what you thought it was going to be in January? It's certainly very different today from what we expected uh, at the beginning of the year. We spent most of our time so far this year helping companies navigate the challenges and opportunities associated with the impact of the pandemic on the economy and ultimately on the equity market. And I think the biggest surprise that we've seen uh, post the initial reaction to the pandemic back in March and April is an incredibly strong equity market from a performance perspective and from a capital raising perspective. So we've really spent most of our time helping companies navigate that, identify opportunities, and really anticipate what the future may hold and help them consider financing alternatives today for that uncertain future. Tech is one of the sectors that's seen the biggest gains this year as we all adapted to remote working, virtual conferences, and Zoom Thanksgivings. In August, U.S. tech stocks were valued at over $9 trillion. That's more than the entire value of the European stock market. But while tech has continued its ascent, some other industries have experienced more challenging conditions. It's interesting to note as well, the companies seem to be in two camps, a little bit of the haves and the have-nots. Much of that has to do with the impact that pandemics had on their end customer base. So companies that require people to attend physical spaces together or engaged in entertainment or travel or perhaps the restaurant industry are all struggling and certainly have an uncertain future. But there have been a number of companies, particularly technology companies, who by virtue of the service or the product that they provide have actually seen their opportunity set benefit. They're much more nimble in how they can deliver their product or service to their customers. And this virtual environment, in a lot of ways, have actually helped accelerate uh, or improve their prospects. While a number of industries have had a challenging year, tech profits have been skyrocketing. So I wanted to know, can we expect this hot trend to continue? Or could it plateau? We all learned a valuable lesson that the flexibility of these models really, really makes them nimble and able to kind of absorb market shocks much better than they had in the past, and frankly, much better than we've seen in a lot of other sectors. 
But the one caveat I have over the perhaps near to intermediate term is because of that reality, we've seen investors really kind of almost hide in technology names through the summer and, and early part of this fall because of the uncertainty that the pandemic has, has provided on a lot of other sectors. And with the promise of a vaccine and some return to normalcy becoming a little bit more clear, uh, or at least maybe a little bit closer on the horizon, we're seeing a rotation out of some of these growth, uh, safer haven kind of technology names back into the broader uh, universe as uh, investors begin to position a little bit more normally and a little bit more in anticipation of that recovery. So while I don't think it's an indictment on tech names right now by any stretch, we are seeing a little bit of a rotation out of that safe haven play into a broader set. So as we're looking forward to a return to normal, there are some lessons from 2020 that Cully says he'll be bringing with him into the new year, particularly around efficiencies we've gained and not necessarily at the expense of productivity. I think one of the most interesting shifts in behavior we've had is how we engage with investors, particularly when we're out marketing a new issue that used to be a very physical and grueling kind of exercise and travel. You know, we would fly from city to city, meeting with investors in their own office, jumping into cars in between meetings, trying to navigate traffic and really trying to pull off of uh, what we call a roadshow in multiple cities and multiple, multiple meetings over the course of a week or two. And obviously with the pandemic, that kind of physical meeting has ended completely. And so we've shifted 100% virtual. And in hindsight, this kind of virtual approach to engaging with investors has been incredibly efficient. I think we frankly haven't lost a beat in terms of the depth of engagement we've been able to achieve. And I think even when we're in a position where we're able to travel more freely, I'm quite confident that this kind of virtual mode of raising capital and engaging with investors will endure for quite some time. That's a perfect segue to our next question about the durability, given some of these efficiencies and is the volume of deals that have been done this year at all related to the efficiencies that have been gained in people being able to really streamline and do this virtually versus the kind of hand-to-hand combat in the before-time roadshow? Yeah, it's a good question. I actually don't necessarily think that the ease of a virtual capital raise has motivated issuers to engage more or raise more capital necessarily. I think the biggest influence has really been the multiples and the relative stock prices that many of these beneficiaries, particularly in tech, have had around being the perceived safe haven. And when a company's equity is trading at an all-time high from a multiple or a stock price perspective, that often motivates the leadership teams of those companies to consider selling equity to effectively pre-fund some future capital need because the cost of capital has become far cheaper than in in more normalized times. So I think that's been a much bigger influence than simply just the flexibility of of a virtual roadshow. The battle between these forces, productivity and efficiency, versus our human desire to congregate was a topic of interest in the years before the pandemic. And this year has only exacerbated this push-pull. It'll be interesting to see how this trade-off advances once we're able to travel more freely again. And with all the capital raised this year, these tech companies could be poised to make big moves. I was curious what Cully predicts 
how are we going to see this money put to work? It'll certainly help fuel innovation. I think some of the use of proceeds for some of the primary capital that's been raised has certainly been earmarked to research and development efforts, to new product innovation. That's kind of the lifeblood of most technology companies. And we're certainly seeing that play out now. A lot of this capital will also be used for M&A purposes. So whether it goes right into the R&D labs or whether it goes into an M&A strategy, I think all of that leads to a really interesting and likely a creative wave of innovation that we should expect to see here over the next few years. Cully focuses on helping companies raise capital, typically on the equity side. But given exceptionally low interest rates and surging tech stock prices this year, we wanted to hear his thoughts on some of the trade-offs around debt versus equity. We're in a very interesting environment where interest rates have been incredibly low for quite some time, actually. So that obviously has always been a real attractive feature of the debt markets. Companies can actually raise capital at very, very low interest rates. The nice thing about raising debt capital is it's not dilutive to your own equity value. And so any standard corporate finance class would recommend some element of debt structure applied to business model, provided they've got the cash flow to be able to pay the interest payment. I think the appeal of the equity is that for equity, you don't have to ever pay it back. So uh, if you raise equity, uh, you don't incur with that the need or potential distress you put on a, a business with the need to pay an interest payment like you do with that. So that's really been the trade-off. And I think the reason why this environment today is so interesting is these very low interest rates have endured and we expect them to continue to endure But with the levels of multiples that the stock prices and and, and stock value of these public technical companies have been lately, we're seeing a real level of comfort with selling equity at these levels. Again, when equity is trading at all-time highs, the relative dilution of selling that equity is much lower, particularly if you can deploy it against an M&A strategy or some sort of investment strategy that provides um, an accretive outcome. So... I think we're in an environment where both debt and equity are probably nearly equally attractive, particularly for the companies that are trading at very, very high multiples. In times of huge transformation like we've seen this year, it's hard to make predictions. I know very few of us in November of 2019, or even the beginning of this year, would have been able to call a lot of what's happened. But I asked Cully, what does he think the companies he works with will be focused on 12 months from now? 12 months from now, we will likely be in a little bit more of a normalized environment. Perhaps, you know, the success of a vaccine strategy may be a little more front and center. I would expect there to be much more of a focus on any kind of inflationary environment that may result from a lot of the investment that uh, the government and the Fed have been making. That will clearly impact companies' perspective on their prospects going forward. I think we'll be in a little bit of a position of seeing the winners perhaps extend their leadership positions and the losers perhaps falling farther behind. So there'll be a little bit of a separation from the winners and losers that has some interesting implications for the activity in the M&A markets, for sure. We're seeing companies having to kind of defend their turf and maybe a little bit more inclined to merge with another party to help improve their chances. So I I wouldn't be surprised to see a much more active M&A environment continue to evolve here over the next 12 months. As we move into this more normalized world, we'll continue to look out for the trends Cully predicted. Accelerated innovation in technology, potentially more M&A, 
and increased disparity between 2020's winners and losers. I wanted to end by asking Cully what he sees as some of the silver linings from an otherwise challenging year. Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's very important to recognize this has been a very challenging year for many, and I expect it to be continuing to be a challenging year for many. And so sometimes in our world, given how strong technology has performed and how strong the equity markets are, it's very easy to forget the, the widespread challenges we've seen. What I think I take from your question is some level of comfort that there are a number of companies that have been able to maintain, or in some cases actually extend their growth that allows them to hire people, allows them to provide a real value to service product and, and help, frankly, the economy grow. You know, I think the biggest challenge we have as a society over the next 12 months is to maintain some level of GDP increase. And for that to happen, we certainly need to keep people employed. We certainly need to keep GDP flows going and we need to do everything we can to facilitate as normal a kind of working environment as possible. So. I you know, take some comfort in the fact that a number of our clients are actually thriving in this environment. And that kind of activity and success hopefully leads to a more normalized environment where everyone can benefit. I love that. That's the perfect note to end on. Thank you so much to Cully Davis for sharing his insights and predictions as we navigate the end of a very long year and look forward to a lot of positive changes in 2021. And thank you for listening to Connecting the Dots. This is our final episode of the season, and we're so grateful to all of the experts and business leaders who helped us explore the current trends shaping the world's capital markets across the globe. For more information on the topics we discussed, go to jeffries.com. We hope to talk to you again soon. Important information and additional disclaimers are available at jeffries.com. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or a recommendation from any Jeffries entity to the audience. It's not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or investment. This podcast is being provided strictly for informational purposes only. Any opinion or estimates constitute our best judgment as of the date of the podcast and are subject to change without notice. The information upon which this podcast is based was obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but has not been independently verified and should not be relied upon as an accurate representation of future events. No responsibility is accepted and no representation, undertaking, or warranty is made or given, in either case expressly or impliedly, by Jeffries as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of the information contained herein, or as to the reasonableness of any assumptions on which any of the same is based. Any views or opinions expressed herein are solely those of the individuals identified. Accordingly, neither Jeffries nor any of its officers, directors, employees, or representatives will be liable for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person resulting from the use of the information contained herein, or for any opinions expressed by any such person, or any errors, omissions, or misstatements made by any of them. Jeffries is not an advisor as to legal, tax, accounting, or regulatory matters in any jurisdiction and is not providing advice related to such matters. Listeners of this podcast should take their own independent advice with respect to matters discussed.